I'm so grateful for all the people that are here today on a very cold winter's day. There's a fire inside of me, so I don't <laughs> so I don't feel real cold right now. Sometimes it's nice to have a warm reception. Um, but I do believe that the word of the Lord will stand on its own. And I trust that God will speak to his people. Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 20. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he meaning Nebuchadnezzar, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men who were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, their other garments were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished or, astonished or in awe and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to him, the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And I preach today the form of the fourth. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Everybody said in Jesus' name, I pray that the Lord will anoint you and add a blessing to his word and turn to someone and smile at them and, uh, and look kindly as you're seated. Thank you. Perhaps to the avid reader, the concept of a flashback is common. During the course of a novel, fiction or nonfiction even, the occurrence of such a thing is not unusual. There are a few biblical passages that refer to other moments in time a reoccurrence of a particular period or some recollection offered by the writer. Those backward looks give clarity to the reader, but they also vanish like some combustible vapor. It's here and gone. But the book of Daniel is no such book. It is lived out in an orderly fashion. Daniel lives his life in real time, one event upon another and then another until 
at the very end of his book, the future is given to some other time. All of it bearing down in the days of our living. Daniel is a unique prophet. He's a bold man. He's prayerful and considered consistent in his prayers. Governmental entities would trap him because they know his consistent prayer life daily, three times a day. When there is an order not to pray, this will disturb some of you. When the government told him not to pray, he kept praying. But he didn't just pray, he opened up his windows to pray. <laughs> when they told him not to pray, he made sure everyone could hear him pray. Because the government is not greater than the Lord. No government is greater than the Word of God. That disturbs some of you because... You're going to have to live in defiance in the days to come if you're going to be an apostolic Pentecostal Christian going to heaven. Oh. Daniel deals in the realm of unnatural knowledge, it's supernatural, spiritual realm. You can read it in his book. His sights are being gathered right now as biblical scholars scour over his images of kings and nations and the subsequent finality of time. And yet before we read those chapters of imagery, there are other moments, all of them offered in chronological order, all of them given for our understanding. The nation of Israel is mostly in captivity now. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has previously sacked Jerusalem. The Bible says he besieged it. He took the best of the people. Nebuchadnezzar was after more than just gold and materials of wealth. He was after the minds of the youngest and the brightest. I cannot think of another example or coherent thought than what's happening today. He said, bring me the Israelites from the royal family, from nobility. I want young men without blemish, with understanding and knowledge, and skillful in science. And such as have ability in them to stand before me in the king's palace. I'll read it. Among these were some of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know these three as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All of them are contemporaries, one of another, but they will follow Daniel's lead in refusing the portion of the king's unkoshered meat. The favor of the Lord is upon them because of their boundaries. The favor of the Lord is upon them because they have boundaries. I wish I had time. Daniel is proven powerful before this Babylonian king. He is without equal in refusal to abide by the king's many edicts. Daniel will become King Nebuchadnezzar's personal prophet. All of his visions and dreams, those disturbing, unknown, and perplexing images that confound the wise men of the king are interpreted without effort by Daniel. Nothing is left out of his message. Nebuchadnezzar will call on Daniel because 
No one has the insight into that other realm of spiritual power like Daniel. By comparison, all of the king's men are fraudulent roustabouts. They are menial. They are men for hire, no real substance. They deal in trickery and sorcery, all of them clouded in their understanding. King Nebuchadnezzar believes in Daniel, but to his point, Nebuchadnezzar is not a convert. Instead, he will press forward with the worship of false gods and high places. And what seems to be the height of his idol worship, this king will order the construction of a massive statue overlaid with gold and then command the entirety of the people to bow down and worship before it. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are in real time from the choosing of nobility to the introduction of Daniel and now forward to the statue, an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits and set up in the plain of Dura. Music is present, people convene, worship is announced and commanded. And for those who refuse to bend knee in reverence, a furnace of fire is made and the flames are ablaze with an unbearable heat, the sight of which is unmatched as fire shoots out of its mouth like a falling star. The stage has been set and we find in the crowd three of Israel's nobles, young men who are skilled in sciences, wisdom, and understanding. Your Bible says so. They had already passed the test of being set apart and they had no intention of bowing down now before this golden statue. Bound or not, constrained or set free, they would rather die in the fire than submit to their worldly environment. I hope you can hear the voice of the Spirit. You can die holding on to truth or die in the end embracing a lie. But you cannot have both. It's truth or a lie. It's being set apart, which is defined as holy, or you can bow before the fleshly trends of the world and lose your soul. This is no game. The significance of this moment here and now is nothing short of eternity held in the balance of our lives. And there will be no excuse worth giving if you miss it. Whatever people blame, whoever people blame, on the condition of their eternal soul will be meaningless in that day. And I'm compelled to share it because even if you are affirmed by others, it won't matter if God is not affirming you. Some well-meaning novice might even give you a thumbs up or a like button as you retell your story. But truth forsaken is eternity lost. If your family affirms you and God says no, it won't matter how many loved ones give you a thumbs up or a like button. If God says he's not pleased, the whole world can be for you and you can still be lost in the end. Yes. Nebuchadnezzar will witness something now, something only a handful of people in the world will ever witness. He'll witness something that only a... Few faithful patriarchs were privileged enough to see. None of us have seen what Nebuchadnezzar saw. Think of that now. The nobles are refusing to worship the God of this king. So in a rage, Nebuchadnezzar will order the execution of those three Hebrew young men. Princes of Israel, no less. According to the scripture, they will be thrown into that fiery furnace, fully clothed, head coverings and all. The heat should have swallowed up their fabric. Their clothes should have been burned quick as they were the first layer of consumable material. The Bible says that the fire was so hot that even the men who attended to it died of heat stroke. 
But when they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, their clothes did not burn. Their flesh did not melt. There was no hurt to them. The only thing that burned away were the ties that bound their hands. The constraints of their life were loosed in the fire. What had them bound was burned away in the fire. I wish I could pause for a moment and just say, you may never get free until you're willing to go through the fire. Uh, <laughs> yeah. huh. You've been avoiding the very thing that can set you free. Fear has bound you up from giving yourself over to the thing that you, you, the thing you think will consume you. And yet God has designed the flames of fire to burn away the things that conflict your life and bound you up. So if you are cast into the flame, the only thing that's going to burn are the things that have been constraining you. Yay! be afraid of trouble God might lead you into trouble just so you can get rid of some things I wish somebody help me preach a little bit in this house and clap your hands and shout unto God like you know it's true like you know you're not afraid I feel the Holy Ghost in this house God's going to send us through a few things but when we come out we're going to be completely set free and completely healed yay I'm getting to it now you have to pardon me I'm getting to it the king will look inside Nebuchadnezzar is looking inside. He sees them walking, breathing, living, moving all the while. Standing inside that furnace of earth. It must have been so large that people could look in there. Because when Nebuchadnezzar looked inside, he was astonished at what he saw. It wasn't just three Hebrew nobles that were alive. But it was the image of the fourth that caught his attention. And in that moment, Nebuchadnezzar said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. They have no hurt. And the form of the fourth looks like the Son of God. He saw it with his own eyes. The king saw something that few, if any, had ever seen in his day. Think of this now. Nebuchadnezzar, the heathen king of Babylon, was given an insight, a theophany. Some angelic being or likeness. He didn't even know how to describe it. He, what he saw, he said, the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. It was the most inconceivable spiritual moment ever given to any king, even of all the kings of Israel. What do you do with a moment like that? Where do you put it? When God gives you spiritual sight, when you have the gift of seeing, what only can be described as the Son of God, the most incredible, miraculous moment, what do you do with that? Those Three Hebrews will emerge without even the smell of smoke on their clothes. Nebuchadnezzar is still in awe. He will make a decree that this Jehovah God is the only God. Because he's struck by the moment. I can hardly wrap my mind around the select few that Nebuchadnezzar will join. Nebuchadnezzar joins Adam. He joins Noah, Abraham, Moses, who spoke to God face to face. He joins Samuel, who heard the audible voice of God as a young boy, and a handful of other prophets. 
of the billions to ever live. Who could boast of such insight, such knowledge? He saw the form of the fourth and declared it to be like the Son of God. But in short order, Nebuchadnezzar turns his back and he returns to the sorcerers. He walks away from the furnace and reverts to the gods of Babylon. He made a quick step, perhaps even sidestepped his own decree by worshiping and seeking the gods of his own liking. But to have seen the form of that fourth and then to walk away, who could do such a thing? Are you ready? To have been given a confirmation from God, ladies and gentlemen, and to walk away from it. How can you neglect God's confirmation? How could you reject a word of prophecy or a sight of the supernatural? How can a person hear a specific word from God or see some miraculous thing or experience a divine intervention and then sidestep the wonder or trade it away, maybe trade it for success or because of an offense? Nebuchadnezzar was given an opportunity that millions have not been given, but in short order, almost in stride, He turned away from the sight of the form of the fourth. And because of his heart and heart, and because he reverted back to what he was used to, Daniel the prophet will journey once back, once again into the corridors of that great king to deliver a terrible message. Daniel looked Nebuchadnezzar in the eye, this very bold, very courageous, sharp, abrasive prophet and he said I have a vision I saw a great tree in the middle of a field all of the animals the birds the beast rest underneath it it was powerful standing in that middle but it was cut down its branches were cut off Daniel 4 14 Its leaves were shaken and its fruit scattered with reckless abandon. Everything that once rested on it or against it fled. Only the meager stump remained, Daniel said. You can read it in your Bible. Daniel will deliver a word to the king. Now remember, we're in order here. It's written in chronological order, real time. The captives of the royals, the introduction of Daniel, the emerging Hebrew nobles cast into the fire. Then that awesome sight of something supernatural. But the king has left the miracle. He walked away from the image. The fire of the furnace will lay barren. It would amount to nothing but a heap of cold ash. The sight of the man in the fire, which he once called the son of God, would be gone from his view. And Daniel said to the king, you are going to be cast into a state of delusion. You'll live with wild animals. You'll eat grass like cattle for a period of seven times, maybe seven months or seven seasons or even seven years. Daniel said, there may be a way out if you repent, if you denounce your actions or change your ways. Daniel said, you can start by being kind to those you have oppressed. But those words also fell flat. Because when you lose the sight of the Son of God, you lose everything. The king would have none of it. He thought that he was above the word of the prophet. And he summarily dismissed the image of the form which he saw. Nebuchadnezzar was witness to a divine intervention, and he walked away from it. I offer this to you today. I have a determination. I have a declaration. I need to keep something precious and prized. I cannot afford to lose it. You cannot afford to lose what you have seen.
we have seen something that we can ill afford to forget. We have seen far too many miracles in this house and in our lives, supernatural things. The list of dreams that people have had in this place and visions and spiritual insights that came from God are too numerous for us to recount. I could tell you of them, but it would take so long. I have a determination today on this Sunday morning. We cannot sidestep the vision, the word of confirmation that has come, and it is no less truth. Truth, that most coveted and priceless gift, to have seen the light or to have seen the gospel or to have had a word from God, some answer from the preached word or spoken word or written word, there's nothing like the word of God. It is a revelation that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He is the author. He allows insight of himself. He gives understanding and wisdom. He is his own counsel, surveying the souls of men and offering sight and insight. You cannot give up what you have found. You can ill afford to forget what God has done for you. You cannot walk away from the spirit that the Lord has invested inside of you. How could we walk away from the sight of the Son of God, of the revelation? And King Nebuchadnezzar had it. He saw the form of God. He had a revelation of the one to come. Seven centuries later, Jesus appeared to Thomas. And Thomas fell down on his face and he cried, My Lord and my God. It was a revelation that we have. Call it what you will. Nebuchadnezzar saw someone. A likeness. We cannot tell. He could not tell. All he knew was that he cast in three. And not only were they not burned up, but there was another man, some other form in that furnace. And he said, it looks like the Son of God. That vision, that moment should have been enough to change his heart and his mind. It should have altered his leadership, even the entire kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar had it in his power to send forth a new edict. But he did not live by his own declaration. And the image, the sight of that fourth man left him. And in the end, God sent him a delusion. God chose it. God decided that Nebuchadnezzar would live for seven times, seven seasons. Again, seven months, maybe seven years. Can you imagine it? As an animal, like one of the cattle roaming the field, eating grass, a herbivore eating wolf. It was a delusion sent by God. God would not tolerate a compromising king. No more would he tolerate, tolerate the compromising of his own people. God gave Israel, look in the Bible, the wonders of all time. They were given multiplied miracles and confirmations and supernatural events. And you would have thought that the Israelites would have settled on being the children of God without murmur or complaint. But they always murmured and they always complained. And they dismissed the things that God had, had given them until God finally said through his prophet in Isaiah, I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did eat evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted not and God said I will choose their delusions you'll consider something true when in reality it's going to be a lie you'll swear a solemn oath that you think what you're doing is right when it's wrong you'll stare into darkness and call it light because you won't know the difference you'll be eating grass and straw and you'll think that it's fish and it's meat and it's lamb because when you leave the word you don't know where you're going to be when you leave the church you don't know where you're going to end up no one gets to choose their own delusion 
Don't think for a minute that you're not immune. The best of the best have turned their back on God, on the truth, on Jesus Christ himself. Peter denied him, even though he had been with him for three years. Judas betrayed him. Demas forsook him. Ananias and Sapphira tried to cheat him. Alexander the coppersmith lied about him. Many who touched him rejected him. Even Paul will write about the matter. Paul will marvel. And it was not a good bewilderment. If you study Paul, you don't want him to marvel at you this way. He marveled at the many of the saints in the church at Galatia. He said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. You had it, but someone came in and corrupted it, and you are given the gospel message, but you allowed somebody to adjust it, rearrange it, make it more palatable and convenient for you. I say to you, the worst perversion in the world is the person who changes the gospel. So I come here today with a determination and a declaration. And I'm hoping somebody will join me in it. We are determined. We are determined. We declare today. We will not lose the sight of what we know. We're not going to lose the word of the witness. We will not lose the miracle or the confirmation that God has given to us. We know who we are. We know who our God is. We're not going to give it up for nobody, no how, no way. You ought to make the declaration that the man of God said, as for me in my house, I don't know what you came to do. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm asking some of you, how long are you going to waver between the world and the church? Between two opinions. If God be God, serve God with all your heart. Jump in with that head first. Do everything you can to be saved. Live holy. But if the world is the God, don't play the game of being in church on Sunday and living like a devil on Monday. Every once in a while, somebody in the church says, well, we, I, I want to hear that guy. He's a prophet. No, you don't want to hear the prophets. I'm a spoonful of sugar compared to Daniel. If you can't take this, oh honey, you should thank God that you're not living in the days of John the Baptist. He called you a snake right in front of everybody. He called you a viper. It's all right. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. That's an LP, man. Take a long look. Don't bypass the scripture. It has the power to save us. Paul wrote it this way in Thessalonians chapter 2. He said, Satan's coming. And the wicked one will come with him. That's the Antichrist. Verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Because the Antichrist is also going to have signs. He's also going to be able to do things. You don't know the word. You're going to get very confused. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not. Here's the big one. The love of the truth. That they might be saved. They didn't love the truth. They were offered, but they didn't love it. 
And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Who are they who received a strong delusion? They were the people of the name. Men and women who once had the truth but cast it aside or sidestepped the wonder. You see, if God sends you a delusion, it'll feel like truth and you'll believe it. You'll believe an untruth. Both truth and a lie, if they're sent by God, feel the same. Paul wrote, because they didn't love the truth, they didn't embrace it, they didn't hold on to it. They had excuses and reasons and something that entered life. Because of something, they let the sight of it go. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong illusion. They'll believe a lie. I have a declaration of determination to make today. If I never see another thing, spiritual insight, if I never have another dream or vision or revelation, what I have already seen is more than enough to keep me until the day of his return. His word of confirmation that you are in the right place ought to be enough to sustain you. His manifested glory in this house of worship on so many occasions ought to be enough to ground you. His blessing, the number which you cannot count, ought to be enough for you to say, He's a good God no matter what happens tomorrow. Listen, I'm not opposed to new spiritual insights, but if God gave you a confirmation, why are you seeking for a revision? If God gave you understanding, why are you asking other people for clarity? If the Lord has filled you with his Holy Spirit, then why are you battling fear? If you had a revelation of the mighty God in Christ, you should be shouting from the rooftop, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him. He's the head of all principality and power. I got some declarations to make today. I've got a, de- I got a determination to give today. I'm not giving up on what I have seen. And I believe I'm going to see more. But if you never saw another thing, some of you should rise up and say, Oh, pastor, I've already had my confirmation. I've already had my revelation. I've already had my moment with God. And I'm not giving up on it. what's happened to us we got a little spoiled we want another fix we want another high but i got news for you jesus only died once he was only buried once and he only resurrected once and that's the only thing you'll ever need to know you only were filled once you're only going to be baptized once you're only going to feel the holy god hear me god doesn't have to give you another but what happens to us is we want something more because we feel like we're not enough or something's happened. I tell you, go back to what the Lord had, has done for you. Has anyone ever been healed 10 years ago? Has anyone had a miracle happen in their life many, many years ago? Come on. Nobody? Everybody? Have you ever been given a spiritual insight of revelation? Have you ever had of that? That's enough. That's enough. God already gave it to you. You don't need to look for a new thing. Has anyone in this house had a confirmation from the Lord? You, 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 you would say, the Lord confirmed something in me. He gave me a confirmation one day. I came in with a question. He gave me a confirmation. Has anyone ever had a confirmation from God? 
Listen, if he's given you a confirmation, you don't ever have to think about that thing again. And if you go back to that thing, that's the devil putting a doubt in your mind and a thought that maybe what you felt was not true. I rise up and declare I'm determined I'm not letting go of the confirmation. Yes, come on. Because, listen, do you understand the gospel and the truth? Don't let it go. Because when you let it go, you don't know where you're going to end up. You don't get to choose where you end up. You don't get to choose what kind of life you're going to end up living. I'm going to be a little bold here. You leave this house and you turn away from God and the things that you've seen. You have no idea where you're going to live, how you're going to live, what you're going to look like, what you're going to end up saying. You don't know what your life's going to be because you don't get to choose it. God will choose, God will give you a, a delusion and you don't get to choose your delusion. And when you're in the delusion, you won't know if it's right or not. And if God sends you into a strong delusion so that you believe a lie, you will tell everybody that you found another way. And you'll think that you're in the right when you're living in the wrong. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm giving you the truth and it just passing through me like a conduit. God gave it. It came down through the apostles and the prophets. It was written in the book. It was delivered back then. It's delivered now. You got to take it and love it and hide it in your heart. You got to embrace it and not let it go. And if you don't love the truth, you're in big trouble. If you had a confirmation that you should be in this house of worship, you should not turn your back on the confirmation. If you've ever been given a miracle or healing. You ought to be dancing for the things that the Lord has already done. You ought to be shouting for the things he's already given. feel the Holy Ghost in here. I'm not going to praise him for what's going to happen. I got to stop and praise him for what has already happened. I know he can do more, but I want to rejoice in what has already been. I'm almost there. Stand with me now. I'm almost there. Tammy always helps me. I'm very thankful because Sometimes I need that, many, many times I need that just, okay, that's the word of God for us. And sometimes folks periodically will say that was, that was a word for my life. I'm so glad. But through the years, people have told me that was the word for my life, but they are not serving the Lord today. If that was the word for their life, where are they now? Why aren't they serving now? Why aren't they giving now? Why aren't they worshiping now? They didn't love it enough to embrace it. If God gave you a word, you should keep that word forever. You should write the title of it or a scripture of it on your wall. Like it's wallpaper. You should put it in a black magic marker. That you cannot erase. 
You should write it in the front of your Bible or wherever you look because you got to go back to that. No matter what I'm going through right now, I have this word in 2010. It's going to sustain me. No matter what I'm going through right now, I found a revelation about the Lord four years ago or 12 years ago or 30 years ago. Hey, you got to hold on to it instead of thinking that you got to have something brand new every day. Maybe you should go back to the things that the Lord has already shown you. And if you've ever had a sight of the Lord in your life, you ought to say, that's enough for for me to change my entire kingdom. I'm making a decree. The Lord is the only God. And we're going to serve Him from now on. We're not putting up any more statues. We're not making any more gods. We're not making any more edicts. I found the Lord. I found the Holy Ghost. I found the truth. I found what I needed. That was a word for my whole life. I have a declaration to make today. I've had a sight of the form of the Lord. I've not seen him with my natural eyes, but I've seen him through people. I've seen him as a child work. I've seen him as a teenager do miraculous things. I've watched people, I've heard the testimonies of God, people that I know personally that have come out and been set free. I've seen miracles happen right in front of my eyes. I tell about them because I want you to realize that they are true and they are real. And and I don't want to keep telling them over and over to people so that they get bored. But I want you to retell the miracles in your life. It's enough to sustain me. It's too late. I've already seen too much. You can't dissuade me from God. You can't tell me that he can't heal tumors because I've seen it with my own eyes. You can't tell me that he can't heal the blind because I've seen it. You can't tell me that the lame can't walk because I've seen it. You cannot tell me that the dumb cannot talk and that deaf cannot hear. I've seen people hooked on horrible drugs walk away in a single day and never go back that was the form of the Lord working inside of them too late too late bring me whatever you have it's not gonna it's not gonna fit in my in my mind I looked inside the fire I saw people coming out of the fire you couldn't even tell they were in trouble you couldn't even tell that they ever lost Right now, Lord, I pray for the people that's here in this, in this house and people that are watching this online. I pray right now, bring us back. Stir up our minds, remembrance, Lord. Help us to remember the confirmation and the word of faith that you gave to us. I pray, Lord, for everything that you've done well and you've done great and you've done marvelous in our sight. I pray right now, Lord, that you would rem- help us to remember and remind us, Lord, of the things that you have already given I pray for those that are caught in a delusion 
I pray, Lord, have mercy on their soul and set them free and help them to realize they need to repent right now, I pray. Because they didn't love the truth and they didn't love what they were given and they despised it and they used words like hate and dislike and, and I don't really, I don't really, fa- oh God, help us now, right now, I pray in Jesus' name. Forgive us of all that complaining, all that murmuring, all that grumbling, Lord. Uh, help this body of believers realize what they've been given help us to be humble enough to recognize and recall Lord that what we have seen has not been seen by everybody but you gave us insight afforded to us Lord I pray Ah. And now, right now, wherever you are, I want you to make your own determination. You might have to get out of your pew and come to this altar. Uh, Somebody in this house needs to make a declaration. You've been waffling, and the word of the Lord has come to you and given you a word so that you will no longer waffle. You need to get established and settled and grounded and rooted right now. And you need to open up your heart and your hands, and you need to say, I'm never going back to that again. I've seen too much to turn around. I'm not going back to the gods and the things of this world i'm gonna be i'm gonna live differently than what i used to live i'm gonna live differently than where i where i was in jesus name right now in jesus name make the declaration everybody now with your hands lifted up everyone with your hands lifted up That's right. Talk to him. Make your declaration, Lord. I'm making a determination right now. I will not leave what I know. I'm not going to give up on the truth. I'm going to love it every day. I'm going to love the word. I'm going to love this doctrine. I'm going to love this house. I'm going to invest my life, Lord. I'm going to let my passion be here, Lord, and my and my and my pathos be here, Lord. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I pray that the fire and the mess you're in will let, will let you be free and set you free. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
give me a moment. Some of you are living in a reality that God made. I saw Joe hoop somewhere around here. Andrea, Joe, thank you. I don't know where all your girls are. I see. Where are the girls? Thank you, too. And okay. Joe is going to come to church. The girls are sleeping, taking a little nap in between church. A couple of years ago, they leave their house when they're, they're not even to the church and someone calls them and the house is on fire and the house burns and they could have had a different reality because that fire could have started any time and it was something electrical, something, something just changed in the electrical and it, it caught the house on fire. And you could be living in a different reality, standing here without daughters. But God kept you. And we cried and worshiped and praised God over it. Let me tell you another reality. All you girls could be disfigured today, having be, be burned victims. But God kept you. He saved you. Carrie Martinez, where are you at? fell off a 13 foot ladder I don't know what she's doing up there she was in a 13 foot ladder hit her head went to the hospital but she's standing here today and they said you might have bleeding in the brain but we're living in a different reality that we could have been living in but God kept us And you only need one of those things to go back and say, listen, God's done enough for me. And if he brought you out of the world and gave you the truth and the gospel and the revelation, that should be enough for you to say, I'm giving my whole life to you, Lord. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness. <laughs> yes. God is fighting for us. Come on, just give me five minutes of praise and worship. I'll let you go. Just give us five minutes of praise and worship. Come on, shout out with your voice now. All the believers in this house ought to be shouting out with their voice. We got truth. We got revelation. We got light. We got miracles, signs, and wonders. We got insight. We got intervention. We got spiritual intervention. Yay! Come on, just shout it out to the Lord. Come on, just give me five minutes of praise.